Today's episode of Dog Nation Daily is brought to you by Meriwether and Tharp, your source for Georgia divorce. Find them online at theatlantadivorceteam.com. Presented by DogNation.com, this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. Here's your host, Brandon Adams. There's no way not to make this awkward, so let me just do this, and uh, we'll get it over with, and we'll move on after that. And I, Listen, I, I certainly, it's a very serious situation, but it's one of those things that there's just very little I can say about this, very little I'd feel comfortable saying, because the facts are going to come out at a later time. But many of you are aware that uh, charges were filed against Georgia linebacker Adam Anderson on the uh, accusation of rape that he had uh, been dealing with now, and uh, that has now moved to the next phase. There are criminal charges here. Obviously, Anderson has uh, counsel. Uh, that attorney has been pretty outspoken here over the course of the last few days. He's going to aggressively defend Anderson against this charge, and Anderson will have his day in court, and we will see what comes from that after that. It's one of those things I have to mention um, because it's out there, and uh, and uh, it, it's, it's, it's a thing that's occurring. But as far as on a show like this, we're opinion-based. You know, I'm not the news uh, I'm not I'm not a news anchor. I'm not a reporter. Uh, I'm a guy that shares opinions about what's going on with UGA football. And any kind of opinion about this right now would be uh, inappropriate for me because there's just so little I know about what's going on. It's clearly a very serious situation. I think it's certainly possible to have bad feelings about the entire ordeal and have a lot of just heartbrokenness about the entire thing. I just think there's really no limit to the awfulness of this entire uh, discussion, and that's just kind of where I'm uh, going to leave it. I truly offer sincere prayers to the, just the entire – everybody that's wrapped up in the entire situation. I, I hope that uh, – I guess I don't even really know what I hope. I, I just know that it's a, it's a very, very awful situation – uh, Anderson's now facing this charge, and when there is more news to report, we'll probably mention it on the show. And from that, you know, I think that you just kind of have to leave it there. But that's what Anderson's dealing with. If you want to read more about the facts of the situation, uh, dognation.com's got plenty of reporting on it. You can see the statements from Anderson's attorney. You can, you know, kind of read the the specifics of the situation. But that is kind of out there, and I just at least want to make sure we mention that. And then with that, we'll kind of awkwardly transition back to what we normally do around here, which is talk about Georgia football. And obviously, there is a lot to talk about. We'll turn our attention to that right now. And I I think that the one thing that I keep coming back to for Georgia this season, and I played you a lot of audio that I think backs this up, audio in particular from Georgia coach Kirby Smart. The sense that I get, and I'm always really careful to try to couch this with, hey, I'm not behind closed doors. You know, media gets a chance to see some practice, but honestly, I don't live in Athens. I'm, for the most part, I live inside the studio. So when the media gets to see practice, right now, I'm not even going to do that. And I've attended Georgia practices before, but not in a while. And I don't do that this year. I'm just not, I'm just not ever there and around that. So I'm on the outside looking in, like many of you are when it comes to some of the things of this program. But just because you're on the outside, just because you're not attending full practices each and every day, just because you're not inside those meeting rooms with the team, that doesn't mean that you don't pick up on a vibe. And I do think that we've kind of picked up on a vibe around Georgia football here this year, and that's a vibe that the sense that I get is that Georgia coach Kirby Smart is enjoying coaching this team. Now, I think that Smart's an energetic guy. I think he loves the act of coaching. So I think regardless of results, Smart's usually having a pretty good time doing his life's work I think he views coaching as a mission and I think he approaches each and every day with gratitude that he gets to do what he was designed to do so I I think that's not unique to smart but all of us have passions all of us have things we enjoy and there are moments when the things we enjoy we just enjoy them even more something about it just feels really locked in something about it just feels really dialed in that you are really right where you're supposed to be and in the case of smart with the things that he said this year about the way this team practices, about the way this team prepares, about the way this team approaches each and every um, every moment of the season, I get the sense that that Georgia's having a good time. I get the sense these players are enjoying playing with each other. I get the sense that team chemistry is really high. Uh, I get the sense that Kirby Smart is enjoying all of this too, that for all of the success that Georgia's having, and there's the outside person who may say, well, they got all these five stars you know Kirby just rolls them out there and they just go out there and they take care of business because they have overwhelming talent there is a sense in which this team this year is so much more than that there's a sense I think where 
the actual talent level that Georgia has may not even be the most valuable facet of what the dogs have employed and deployed to become the number one team in the country. And you may believe me when I say that, you may not. But let me give you a very prominent voice who makes a pretty similar case here. And he's going to mention a Georgia player by name in particular, but it's the overall, our, the overarching opinion that Kirk Herbstreet's about to share that I think the Georgia fans ought to notice. Now, it's interesting. This is from the Feinbaum Show, and Herbstreet almost sends this out as a warning to the rest of the SEC. Hey, there's something you need to know about Georgia. So he almost like sends this out as a message to the rest of the SEC. But there's actually a good bit of what Herbstreet says here that I think can almost serve as a reminder for UGA fans of, hey, don't forget what has made this Georgia team so special this year. Don't overlook what Georgia truly has going for. And, and, and you know, Herb Street mentions one player by name, and that's kind of cool, but, but it's, it's more than just that that Herb Street says here. If you're a Georgia fan, I think you're going to like this, but I think you also should renew your consideration of this as an idea. This is Herb Street from the Fine Bomb Show this week. Take a listen. For all SEC fans, remember this. Georgia is not just a talented team that Kirby and his staff have gone out and recruited great players. Please remember this. Georgia is Georgia this year because guys like N'Kobe Dean, the, the hardest working players on the Georgia roster are the best players. Just like Alabama last year with Mac Jones and that group, Landon Dickerson, all those great players, Najee Harris, all those good, Devontae Smith. They, want, they, they couldn't get enough of practice. They couldn't get enough of the film work. They couldn't get enough of seven-on-seven seven with no coaches around. That's when you have an elite team. Georgia has that this year, and you can't coach that. You just have to hope it comes together. So always remember that about Georgia in 2021. It's not just elite talent. They have that, but they have elite intangibles. Elite intangibles, Kirk Kerbstreet says. Now, I'm going to take a risk here for a moment, and I'm going to try to connect a couple dots that may not you know, necessarily be connected. But Herb Street, as a color analyst, not just the host of ESPN's College Game Day, but as a color analyst, is privy to some special conversations, right? I mean, he was the color analyst that broadcast. It was the Georgia-Arkansas game. He was the color analyst for that game there that day. And, you know, I do high school football broadcasts, and during the week I have a chance to meet with coaches, sometimes players, and, you know, you get to know the inner workings of a program. And I can tell you, as somebody who's been in the media my entire life, those extended conference calls that you do with coaches are different than the other interviews you might do. Even if you ever, like, publicly interview a high school coach, you know, microphone to the face on TV, the coach is in kind of coach-speak vibe. But when you talk to a coach in a conference call situation, that's not a coach-speak situation for the most part. That's a, let me let my hair down and we'll kind of talk some football here and we'll, you know, it's not they reveal their deepest, darkest secrets or what's, you know, every facet of what's going on in the program, but there is a relaxed nature of that conversation. So I'm doing that for high school football. A guy like Kirk Herbstreit's doing that for college football. And presumably before Georgia played Arkansas a couple of weeks ago, Herb Street's talking to Kirby Smart. Now, I have no idea what that nature of that conversation was, but I have plenty of reason to believe that Herb Street's not going to come out and say, hey, the hardest working players on this Georgia team are also the most talented. That doesn't feel like the kind of thing that Herb Street would just make up out of thin air because, I mean, that, 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 that feels like, very, like a very specific thing to say. And it feels to me like, once again, maybe I'm taking a risk here by connecting things that don't necessarily need to be connected. But don't Herb Street's words here sound an awful like like something Kirby Smart might have told him in the midst of a private conversation, one of these coaches' meetings prior to televising a game, one of these conference call type things? Doesn't that kind of feel like the kind of thing that Smart might have said? Hey, you know, hey Kirby, what do you like about your team right now? Well, I got to tell you guys, you know, the best thing that we have going for us right now is our most talented guys, the ones that are out there working the hardest there too. It just sounds like something that Kirby might say. Now, our eyes would seem to back that up. A guy like N'Kobe Dean, former five-star, laying it on the line each and every day. A guy like Nolan Smith, former five-star, last few weeks especially, laying it on the line each and every day. Obviously, you've heard us praise Jordan Davis over and over again. That's a future first-round pick who's absolutely buying into a team-first concept here on Georgia and really stands as a representation of all of that. That seems like the kind of thing that, that Kirby Smart might have said to Kirk Herbstreit at some point in time, if you had to guess, and that's Herbstreit broadcasting that message out, that no one's collected talent better than Georgia, and all of a sudden now it's a special kind of talent for the most part, 
that also is willing to buy into a team concept. And I think this is one of those things that you're, if you're a Georgia fan, you got to stop and appreciate this. Now, that's not the same thing as me telling you, and because of that, Georgia's a shoe-in to win the national championship. Honestly, no one knows how December and January is going to play out. Georgia's obviously the favorite to do that, but no one knows how the season is going to end. But regardless of how the end-of-season outcome is determined, the fact that, that Georgia has this going on right now, fun team to coach, you get the impression of. I think it's also been a fun team to watch there as well, and hopefully Georgia fans are appreciating that. But let me also say this really quickly, and then I'll kind of move on. There's obviously the ongoing discussion of, well, who's the right quarterback for this team? Should it be the guy who was starting at the beginning of the year? Should it be the guy that came on during the year when the previous starter got hurt? And I just think that any conversation like that has also got to happen within the context of everything else that's going on. That the vibe around Georgia is good. The chemistry is solid. Even guys like Kirk Herbstreet are going to the Paul Feinbaum show and talking about how much of that they've seen. This is how valuable all of that is for Georgia. And so on one hand, you can understand why a guy like Kirby Smart might be slow to make any kind of change, just given the fact that this team right now on the inside has the feeling of being so special. And the other hand, I think the thing you got to take from that is maybe getting wrapped up too much in some sort of intramural squabble about should it be this guy or should it be that guy? Maybe that is really missing the point. Maybe that really is taking your eye off the ball about what's really going on. That there is no one player that's going to determine Georgia's fate here this year. Georgia's too good of a team for that. And I mean that in every sense, both in terms of the talent, the success that it's enjoyed, but also the way in which the team is interwoven together. That this team is just different than that. This is not a one-man show. This is not a this is not a uh, you know a, a one-man issue. No one's going to put Georgia football on its on its back because Georgia football is too big to go on any one player's back. This is one of those moments where I think that Herb Street's words are pretty wise. I think he says them to the rest of the SEC and the the league and across the country. They should take notice of that but George fans themselves might could use a little reminder every now and then as well and from that standpoint i'm glad herb street said what he said my name's brandon adams and this is dog nation daily the daily podcast for georgia bulldogs fans presented today by merriweather and tharp and we're glad to have you with us no matter how you get to us today live on video starting at 9 45 for our first and 15 on the dog nation homepage and the dog nation app also 10 a.m facebook youtube twitter twitch and you may say why do you start at 9 45 on the on the on the dog nation platforms listen we rolled out this new platform a few months ago and we wanted to do a special thank you to those who helped make that launch so successful plus it's just kind of fun to be on your own homepage. it's fun to be on your own app that's something we really enjoy doing and so we wanted to give a special thank you to those folks who tune in live on video there at dognation.com the dog nation app that's what the first and 15 is all about but the same show that we've been doing for years we do on all the other video platforms there as well we also do it on the radio at noon on Athens Sports Radio 960 The Ref, and as a podcast on all the podcast platforms. And boy, thanks so much for continuing to make our podcast a really fun thing to deliver. The on-demand audio version of our show each and every day. Really appreciate that. Of course, we would not be able to do it without our friends at Meriwether and Tharp. They're your source for Georgia divorce, and they make Dog Nation Daily possible here today. And I love recommending Meriwether and Tharp. I love telling their story here on our show. Because here's the thing that I believe, that in an audience the size of ours, you're talking about huge numbers of people that at some point in time may either have to consider the possibility of a divorce or maybe have to confront the reality of divorce. And that can obviously be a scary and confusing thing. And around here, if I can do anything to make your life more enjoyable, if I can do anything to make your experience less scary, less confusing, if I can give you more peace, that's something I just want to do for my audience, just something that I feel strongly about. And I mean that literally, and I mean that sincerely. And that's why I love recommending Meriwether and Tharp because they step into a situation that some people would run away from. They step into a situation that that may seem like answers are hard to come by, but when you've studied the process of divorce and how the law impacts those who might get a divorce, you develop a special level of expertise, and that's a level of expertise they want to put to work for you. It can start with a free consultation, but it continues in a relationship so much longer after that. So I truly feel that the best resource that you can turn to if you're dealing with one of the most challenging scenarios you may ever face the idea of a divorce strong advocate on your side smart people rolling up their sleeves doing some hard work for you i know that's what merriweather and thought will provide so check them out online the atlanta divorce team.com that's the atlanta divorce team.com and find out why merriweather and tharp truly is your source 
for Georgia divorce. All right, here on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Meriwether and Tharp, we're going to get Terrence Edwards in just a moment, and we're going to talk to Terrence about a lot with UGA, including the return of some key wide receivers last week against Missouri that a lot of Georgia fans hope to see even more of moving forward and how that changes the scenario for the UGA offense. We will talk about that with Terrence coming up here in just a little bit. Before that, though, I want to go around the doghouse. It's presented today by ServPro. And I want to dive deep here a little bit on the Tennessee offense for a moment because I thought that Georgia coach Kirby Smart, going back to Tuesday night, did a pretty good job of describing the specific challenge of facing Tennessee. And the question I thought was a pretty good one, too, of, hey, a few times this year, more than a few times, you've seen Tennessee wide receivers against previous opponents just running wide open. I'm talking about, you know, almost like Josh Fan against Florida. Like, there's just no... Nobody in the in the camera frame whatsoever. A bunch of green grass surrounding some very open Tennessee wide receivers. Exactly how is it that Tennessee has done that with this offensive system here this year? And I thought that Kirby was good enough to kind of go into some detail about exactly what is tough about defending Tennessee. And I just think this is interesting. So here is Kirby on the challenge of the Tennessee offense and why they've had so many open receivers this year. They're fast and you don't always get lined up properly. I mean, it's 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 very unique, guys. It's like you'd ask the question, how come you can't stop the triple option? Well, it's different. You don't face it every day. I mean, they got guys wide open because people have eye violations. I mean, they, they look at the wrong thing. Sometimes they don't even see the wide receiver. And I know that's hard to believe, but their, their splits are, are clear out on the sideline, you know? Half of college football is playing condensed formations now, and everybody's in a teacup where everybody's right next to the ball. And now all of a sudden, these, these guys got two guys outside the numbers. And, I mean, I've seen guys on tape not lined up, trying to get a call. I mean, it, it happens to everybody. So it's not like it's, it's not on tape. And uh, it worries you that it can happen to you. You know, you want to make them earn what they get. And they, there's a lot of plays that they've, they've gotten on people off the bus. So I think what Smart says there is very honest. I do. And I think if I'm Tennessee, it's worth taking some risks against Georgia. In other words, they already probably play faster than anybody. It's worth it against Georgia to try to play even faster. You may throw a pick because of it, or you may just completely bust and fizzle out yourself offensively, but you're not going to line up and beat Georgia on a per-play basis offensively. You're just not going to do that. The Georgia defense is just simply too good to do that. So it's worth trying to see if you can go so quick that you do catch Georgia lined up improperly. I think that probably happened a couple of times for Georgia against South Carolina. A couple of those big plays that Josh Van got that day, if you go back and rewatch the film, and I'm not X's nose breakdown guy, I don't pretend to be that, but if you go back and rewatch the film, you see a couple of instances, at least one instance in particular I can think of, where um, you know Van probably got off on a situation where Georgia just hadn't had a chance to line up yet, and you know, that, that gave him a chance to get off the ball pretty quickly. I think the same thing is worth trying for Tennessee because you're just simply not going to beat George on a per-play basis. You can do that to Kentucky, and last week Tennessee averaged about 11 yards per play. You're not doing that against Georgia, but can you hit two or three big plays? And if you do, suddenly a blowout game starts to inch a little bit closer. But then there's also this. So you just heard Kirby Smart say, hey, you got basically Tennessee spread out from C to Shining C with its wide receivers. Outside the numbers they're lining up there are as – spread as wide as almost anybody can be and all of a sudden that opens up a lot of room in the middle of the field I think the middle of the field on Saturday where that big ugly power T is I think that middle of the field is going to be really interesting to watch on Saturday because and you see this in high school football all the time there as well high school football is always a great way to understand the basic premise of the sport because what you see happening on Fridays works its way up to Saturdays and, and eventually works its way onto Sundays there as well and you see these teams that spread them out wide and then use that as an opportunity to attack soft defenses up the middle either a running quarterback or a rushing a rushing attack all of a sudden you've got too many bodies spread out and all of a sudden you can't stop the run anymore well this is one of the things where Georgia you got to think is pretty good, right? That that Georgia doesn't need as many bodies in the middle of the field to stop the run. Even against a team like Tennessee that's actually had some gash plays in the rushing attack, and even Hendon Hooker himself can run a little bit. And a guy who I thought did a pretty good job of talking about this, this is 
from a show the other day on the SEC Network, Roman Harper, one of the analysts there, was discussing this a little bit, that if Kirby's right and Tennessee's going to spread you out from one sideline to the next with its wide receivers, all of a sudden what happens in the middle of the field, opening up opportunities for the run, becomes a pretty big deal. Remember Rose Bowl at the end of the 2017 season? That's what Oklahoma did so well in that first half. You get all these receivers all over everywhere. But the thing that almost knocked Georgia out of that game was Trey Sermon and Rodney Anderson, those opportunities to run the football up the middle with a defense that was just spread from pillar to post. And so based on what Kirby Smart just said, take the chess match one step further and now look to the middle of the field for what happens next defensively. Here's Roman Harper trying to explain that point SEC Network earlier this week. I'm going to be looking at the, the way Tennessee's offense tries to attack Georgia's defense. When they spread them out wide, when they put the wide receivers close to the sidelines, it's bringing everybody outside to the box. And now they think they have a numbers advantage on the inside, whether it's with Hendon Hooker running the ball or any one of their running backs. And what do they do and how they get the ball out quick to their receivers and the routes that kind of build off of that. The biggest problem that you have with Georgia when you're facing a team like Georgia is they put four guys in the box and it takes five and a half people to block those guys. So how do you really don't have an advantage? So let's keep it simple here for a moment because that's good stuff from Roman Harper. If Georgia really can win the battle in the middle of the field, offensive line versus defensive line, with what appears to be a numbers mismatch. In other words, they got they, they got fewer guys in the middle of the field, fewer defensive linemen, but if Tennessee still can't block them or if Tennessee still can't earn some rushing yards up the middle, then obviously that's the recipe for this to become another blowout like everything else is because something that gives Georgia the freedom to either send more pass rushers or, or drop more guys back into coverage, that they just get a chance to play a little bit better numbers game. But if the attempt to spread Georgia out wide makes Georgia vulnerable enough where there is some room for a rushing attack, then that's also the kind of thing that allows Saturday's game to inch a little bit closer. So the overall bottom line is, is this is where I think your eyes should go on Saturday. Look towards the middle of the field. You see Tennessee spread out all across the place from one side of the state to the other. But look what happens to Georgia's defense when it is spread out. Guys like Jordan Davis, Devontae White, and Jalen Carter, they don't need a lot of help. If they can go and win that battle along the line of scrimmage, even though they are outmanned, at least from a number standpoint, then that could be the recipe for another easy Georgia win on Saturday. That is Around the Doghouse. It's presented today by our friends at ServPro. And listen, I'm a homeowner, and so many of you are homeowners there as well. And one thing we know is, is that our home is our most significant investment. I say significant for a reason because obviously you have a huge monetary commitment to that, but you also have an emotional attachment to that too. And when there's any kind of damage to your home, that's more than just a money issue. That's a that's a that's a the kind of thing that just makes you feel violated, right? When you see damage to your home, oftentimes caused by fire, water, those are the kinds of things that can really do a number on the place that you call home, the place that you raise your children, the place that you uh, go to for comfort. Well, um, Surf Pro steps in if that happens because when you're dealing with that kind of damage, you just want to be able to close your eyes, snap your fingers, and say, "I want this to go away." That's what Surf Pro does. They Their restoration specialists can repair your damage, can clean everything up, and put it back literally like it never even happened. That's what they're famous for. That's what they've been doing for folks across our great state for a long time and really all over the place there as well. Plus, each and every Surpro franchise is independently owned and operated. That matters to me because when I trust somebody like this to come in and do important work for me, I want to know they've got some skin in the game. I want to know that uh, their investment of time is as important to them as it is to me. And that's what Surf Pro provides for you. It's family-oriented, personal-oriented service, uh, restoring your fire damage, your water damage. Uh, they can get it back for you like it never happened. So trust my friends at Surf Pro. It's spelled S-E-R-V-P-R-O, servpro.com. You can reach out to them there today. All right, we appreciate you being here on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Meriwether and Tharp. Busy show for us. Before we're done, we'll give you our thoughts on the other big games in the SEC and across the country here this week. We'll talk about that. Also, an interesting look at Alabama as the number two team in the country, what that could mean for Georgia in the chase of the college football playoff and the debate that's starting to kind of brew around all of that. So we'll do that before we're done. But for now, a lot to talk about with Georgia getting ready for Tennessee on Saturday. Great guy to do it with is the former Georgia wide receiver, Terrence Edwards, here on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Meriwether and Tharp. And, of course, great to have all of you with us as well. From Athens and across the SEC or wherever the recruiting trail may lead, here's a DogNation.com insider. Always great to get a chance to talk to Terrence Edwards here on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Meriwether and Tharp. His insight on the Georgia Bulldogs is always so valuable. And, 
you know, Terrence, I guess let me begin with this. You can tell me if I'm wrong, because obviously your opinion matters to me. I've been saying a few times this week, you know, I'm a little concerned, not about Georgia losing the game on Saturday, but I also think, you know, 11 straight weeks of blowout action. It just seems like college ball is not really designed that way, that you get tested eventually, even if you're the number one team in the country. It sort of feels to me like Georgia might be due for a little bit of a test. I think the Tennessee offense, as Kirby Smart has correctly described a few times this week, truly is unique in that almost no one plays faster. And, uh, you know, this year with, I would say, limited personnel, the Vols have had pretty good success. Certainly Hendon Hooker, I think, has proven himself to be a quality quarterback. How stiff of a challenge do you think Tennessee is for Georgia on Saturday? Well, B, I personally think this is probably going to be the best offense that we have seen so far this year. Uh, Tennessee loves to play fast, and they love to throw the ball vertically. And they have three receivers that can go get the ball vertically. And they have a quarterback that uh, is now uh, hitting a deep pass with a high rate of accuracy. I think uh, Joe Milton at the beginning of the season was not very accurate with the deep balls. And just going back, doing my own research and looking at the stats, and I didn't know that. Uh, Hooker is 21 touchdowns, two interceptions. Yeah. And I know our defense is fantastic, and I know that uh, this is the best defense this season. But at some point, I think Tennessee will make some plays on us. Uh, will it lead to touchdowns? Uh, I don't know, but uh, I'm looking forward to them making some plays. I mean, you look at the South Carolina game. Josh Van earlier hit some deep balls against us, and that didn't lead to many points, but I look for Tennessee to move the ball a little bit more than anyone else has. You know, you mentioned the hooker situation. I've heard other people say, gosh, he must not be much of a practice player if he got beat out at the beginning of the year by Joe Milton because when they both played, it's been obvious that hooker's been the better of the two. And I had folks tell me back in the summer that Milton was clearly winning that job during practice. And some people have been left to wonder, well, does that mean that Hendon Hooker is just not a good practice player? I mean, in your career as a player and as a coach, I mean, you may not want to mention anybody by my name, and I can understand that, but is there such a thing as just not being a, a good practice player and being a much better player during a game? Because, I mean, Hooker was also, I think, going to lose his job at Virginia Tech, and that's crazy for a guy that I think has shown himself to be a potential NFL quarterback with the way that he's played there at Tennessee. How come he keeps getting beaten out for jobs during practice if he's so good? Uh, I guess, uh, especially at the quarterback position. Uh, the only other person that I've ever heard about, especially at that position, was Tim Tebow. You know, he was, uh, wasn't was so great practice player. We all know his accuracy, but once the lights came on, he's a ball player. And I think that's, uh, you've heard that term a lot, that uh, just not a great practice player. But once the lights turn on, turn on he, he's a different animal. So maybe that's the reason. I have no clue not being there to watch it, but – you don't hear a lot of quarterbacks not practicing well and then getting an opportunity to showcase that on Saturday. So this is a uh, unique situation that is, is I haven't heard about a lot. You mentioned the Josh Van game for South Carolina a little earlier, and I mentioned this earlier that at least on one of those plays that he had against Georgia, it seemed like that Georgia wasn't lined up yet. And I'm not making excuses. I'm, you got to be lined up. But it just seems like one of his big plays may have been because of that. And Kirby Smart said this week, hey, against Tennessee, that's one of the issues. They play so fast that you got to rush the line, get lined up against them there as well. Now, when you play, teams weren't playing quite as fast as uh, they're playing now, although Coach Rick certainly wanted to kind of uh, put the pedal to the metal at least you know, in that era. He wanted to play fast. The SEC kind of changed some rules against him to prevent him from doing that. But the point here is, is if you are playing faster than the defense can get lined up, how much of a potential advantage is that for a wide receiver? It is. And speaking of that, I was there at Coach Rick. We implemented the fast break, and they slowed us down. So we yeah. we tried it for a few weeks, and they actually slowed us down. So uh, we was kind of – Coach Rick was kind of uh, innovative in that aspect of, of playing fast. And right now with the rules, it was a – a, uh, a ploy to not let, allow the defense to sub. Uh, so you, you play fast, you keep the guys that are on the field, on the field, and you just kind of wear them out a little bit. And you can sub receivers back then without the referee holding the line of scrimmage like they do now. So there's a lot of different ways what we try to do, but Tennessee is going to play fast. And that's a great example of the Josh Van situation. We wasn't lined up properly. We were still trying to – get the call look like and the defense wasn't set wasn't ready and they hit it for a big play so I, I know the joy coaching staff is really going to prepare them for this up-tempo 
fast break type of offense. So uh, I don't think it's going to be a big issue this week for being lined up properly, but it's something that you cannot emulate in practice. It's just something you got to see in the game and get a feel for. And by the first quarter or so, they can really get the, the speed of how Tennessee is trying to play. I don't know if you've had a chance to talk to Jermaine Burton since last Saturday's game, but I know you know, and I'm sure you feel the same way yourself. Georgia fans were thrilled to see his return to action, Arian Smith there as well. And this is a Georgia team, Terrence, that's first in the SEC in yards per play. I think they're, what, second in the league in points scored. They rank very high nationally. They're one of really the only you know uh, playoff contenders that's you know top five offensive and defensive efficiency on the season. Very few other, even the top ten, Alabama has been. Uh, so it's been a good offensive performance for Georgia this year, but you have an outlook where things can get even better now because of guys like Burton and Arian Smith coming back. Uh, as I said before, as a receiver yourself and someone who knows some of these Georgia receivers so well, seeing those guys getting back healthy and in Jermaine's case in particular, making the contribution he made last Saturday, that had to be fun for you to see. Oh, most definitely. And yes, I did speak with him. I speak with him uh, either before the game or after the game every week. And uh, But I was you know, use the term of these kids. I was on his head, though, B.A. I mean, he had an opportunity <laughs> to score three touchdowns, and he only got in one, so I kind of called him and like, come on, dog, you got to get in. And that, that first one was a great catch. I, I I let him off the hook on that one, but the second one, he misjudged the ball and jumped when he didn't have to. And uh, they're just getting his timing back, getting his rhythm back, and, uh, I mean, he looked like the Jermaine that we all expected. And now you just have to stay healthy and continue to play the way we know he could play and he's going to only help and enhance the Georgia offense. Coaches never stop coaching, right? I mean, the, the, the coaching relationship never comes to an end, right? Oh, most definitely. I, I would never be satisfied <laughs> because I know his potential. So I'm always going to find something to nitpick with him on and something he could get better at, something I saw that he needs to work on. So I'm always, always uh, trying to just get him to the player I know he could be. So Kirby Smyers said something kind of interesting this week that – because they've been so injured at wide receiver, there's obviously a little bit of a, you know, dominoes that fall because of that, including the fact that Georgia just hadn't had a ton of like scout team wide receivers because they really haven't had a lot of healthy receivers to play on Saturdays. And suddenly, I guess this week, and who, who knows how involved they were healthy enough to be able to be, but when you've got guys like Dominic Blaylock at least making some contribution as a scout team wide receiver, a guy like George Pickens, I'm assuming in non-contact scenarios, at least making some kind of contribution as a scout team wide receiver, if you're getting ready for a team that can throw the ball, when that's your scout team wide receivers, guys who are not healthy enough to play on Saturdays but still very talented players in their own right, I would imagine that's a pretty good luxury for a team to have, wouldn't you say? Oh, most definitely. I mean, it, it kills two birds with one stone. It allows – uh, George Pickett and Dominique Blaylock to continue to rehab and get better and going against the defense that we have. And then they're also going to put pressure on those guys defensively because we know what type of receivers they are. Even if they're not at full strength, they're still a tremendous uh, football players. So it, it helps offensively and defensively to get those guys back and give those guys confidence that if they're making plays against this defense in practice, then they can make plays against anyone. So it just a thrill to see, especially for, for Dom and, and George, to be able to be out there running routes and cutting at full speed. Uh, good stuff. Let me finish with this. Um, I talked about Kirk Herbstreet off the top of the program and something that Herbstreet had said about N'Kobe Dean, this Georgia defense, and really the entire roster overall, that – Right now, the best players are also the hardest-working players. I think you and I talked about this a little bit last week, too, because Kirby Smart had said some things that kind of allude to this. I get the impression that Smart's having a good time coaching this team right now. When I hear Georgia players speak, I get the impression that they are kind of on the same page in terms of the the vibe they share together. How valuable of a commodity is that when talented players are also willing to, to use a phrase that Nolan Smith used after the Florida game, be blue-collar guys, be you know lunch pail, hard hat, hard-working type guys, not chasing glory, but willing to be a part of a team concept and share the fabric of a team together. How valuable is that for a program when you've got that going on? Herb Street says Georgia has that right now. Almost definitely, and I think – uh, probably the leader of that team, in my eyes, just from someone who looks at it from the TV, is, is N'Kobe Dean. And I think N'Kobe Dean is the heartbeat of this whole team. And when Kirby just continued to say he enjoys the way this guy study and the way he prepares for the game, it's easy for the coaches to go in there 
and allow Nicole Dean and the rest of those leaders to police the locker room. They don't have to say much. When it comes, when it comes from your peer, it hits a little different. And I think with Nicole and a couple of those other defensive players, Nolan Smith, are, are true team leaders along with the, and I, and I still think JT Daniels is a, a team leader. Everyone else falls in line. And when you have your, your hardest workers or your team leaders, it just trickle down to the rest of the team. Like, if this All-American uh, is working just as hard, and why can't I? I want to be where he is, so I'm going to continue to work as well. So that's a luxury to have. Uh, really good stuff, Terrence. And I joked before about coaches always coaching, but obviously that's in your blood. That's passion that you have. And uh, just remind folks, if they want to get in touch with you, how they can be a part of the individual coaching you're providing to wide receivers and pass catchers all across the state of Georgia. How can they get more of what you're doing? Good. Got a story for you before I, I give out that, B.A. I Please. was waiting on you to uh, talk to you today. And this, this is a small word. I, I always tell people this word is so big but it's so small at the same time. So we had the German kid that's from California now, Hero, I think his name is. That's right. That was on his official visit. Uh-huh. If you saw a guy or an African-American guy with dreadlocks, his name is Brandon Collier. He runs the PPI recruiting out in Germany. Yeah. Him and I played in the Canadian Football League together for two to three years. How about that? And I actually I actually one that put him on – Georgia once he was getting his business started out in Germany with the Georgia coaches and all the other coaches that I know and I got an opportunity to speak to Hero uh, this week because Brandon called me because he was on his official visit and he absolutely loved the visit uh, so I thought that was just cool that, that is I really got an cool. opportunity to talk to the young man because of my relationship with uh, one of his mentors who actually played with me two or three years in the at uh, in the Canadian football. Well, there are two things about that that I find fascinating. First of all, these relationships that get formed around football, you know, your career as a player, including in the professional ranks, you know, those are lifelong relationships, right? I mean, you'll remember those guys forever and you're staying in contact. But also the fact that, you know, SEC football provides so many opportunities for so many folks. And a lot of times we think about that for Georgians and, you know, people like that, but now kind of stretching into Europe. And it's just really kind of amazing how, how you know, football opens up so many doors, provides so many opportunities, lifelong friendships, but also friendships that then turn into playing opportunities for the next generation of player. That's a really amazing thing about the game, isn't it? Oh, most definitely, man. There, you meet so many people across the scope. Uh, especially with me being able to continue my career in the Canadian Football League for so long, and this guy here, man, he—I don't know—we just—he just—he's younger than me, and we just kind of just hooked on to each other. And now, years later, um, I helped him get in contact with with Georgia, along with other schools, because he kept telling me "te"—that's what he called me, "te." We got some players over here in Germany that in Europe that people don't know about, and I'm gonna try to get all these kids seen. So I, I was just happy I was able to help to network and put him in position to see these kids out in Europe being able to come over to the States and play football and get an opportunity to play big-time football and just let people know that there are really talented football players over in Europe. Well, let me do this real quick because I've kept you long now, and I apologize. But uh, obviously your brother Robert's got a uh, big run through the uh, playoffs coming up here with a uh, very good-looking Riverwood team. Y'all got Gunnar Stockton on Friday over at Pace Academy, too. Are the uh, uh, is, is Pace ready for that one? Yeah, we got another big game. We all know we're going to bring to the table. Uh, this is our second time playing this year. They, they, uh, We kept the game close for a little while the first time, and he just uh, took over in the second half. But, you know, it's kind of hard to beat a team twice, but we, we're going to go up there and put our best foot forward and, and see what happens. I like it. Uh, Terrence, remind us one more time how they can get in touch with the Terrence Edwards Wide Receiver Academy. You can reach me on all forms of social media at Terrence Edwards Wide Receiver Academy. Terrence, great stuff. Thanks for your time. Appreciate you being here on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Meriwether and Tharp. Uh, thanks. All right, good stuff there from Terrence Edwards. All right, a couple things I'm going to tell you about here. First of all, as Terrence said, high school football playoffs getting rolling around the state, and – Clearly, it's going to be fun to see Terrence's team, Pace Academy, taking on 
uh, Rabin County and the uh, terrific Georgia quarterback commit Gunner Stockton. That's fun to see. And there's big matchups all across the state, including for us on Peachtree TV and CBS46.com. On Friday night, we got the defending state uh, champions from the 7A classification, Grayson, uh, hosting East Coweta. East Coweta has been a power program for really my entire life of following high school football. This is a good game on Friday. 7A playoffs beginning. East Coweta and Grayson going to be a ton of fun there. So we'll see you on Petrie TV, CBS 46 for that. Jeff Centella, part of that broadcast. Our buddy Rusty Manziel there as well. And, of course, I'll have you for the play-by-play call for Petrie TV on Friday night. Then there's this. And maybe this is a little bit of a tease for what could also come tomorrow with maybe a former uh, Florida commit, (laughs) Julian Humphrey, maybe making the pledge to the dogs. Well, you've got a a four-star 2023 wide receiver, uh, Raymond Cottrell, who's made his uh, decision. And he's he's from Milton High School, so a big program, obviously, uh, but Milton, Florida, not Milton – not Milton, uh, in uh, Fulton County, Georgia. He's from Milton, Florida, so understand that. But he's a four-star wide receiver. Uh, there he is on the screen saying, I appreciate the Gator family for taking me in as one of their top 2023 recruits. Uh, but when it's all said and done, I'm in the day. I have to do what's best for my family, and I say go dogs." <laughs> and you never get tired of seeing recruits say that. Class of 2022, class of 2023, whatever. Uh, good to welcome in Raymond Cottrell, a, a four-star 2023 receiver into the fold here for the dogs and that 2023 class so big news flipping a florida gator and when recruiting season starts for dan mullen once he realizes that he's lost another receiver to uga man he's going to be disappointed so a few weeks from now when mullen turns his attention to recruiting man is he going to be sad to realize that one of his receivers uh went to georgia (laughs) while he was uh, trying to get bowl eligible. Uh, boy, that's going to be really a disappointing thing for Mullen. But once recruiting season's here, you better believe Mullen's going to get back to work trying to find some replacements of whoever's left over, trying to find some replacements for uh, the guys that he lost while he wasn't paying attention to recruiting and everybody else was. So uh, uh, admittedly, we enjoy that pretty well. And obviously a big addition here for the class of 2023 for the dogs. Uh, taking one way from those lousy stinking gators is never a bad thing to do. Let's take a look around the rest of the league. This is SEC Through. All right, very, very fascinating stuff there when it comes to uh, what is going on with George and George recruiting. And with that said, we'll get ready to transition here and go cruise around the SEC, courtesy of our friends at Royal Caribbean. And, boy, there are so many exciting things on the forefront here for Royal Caribbean. And I can't wait to all tell you all about them. I'm talking about both in terms of special announcements I'm not supposed to make yet, but also in terms of just some of the incredible new array of uh, ships that Royal Caribbean has hitting the uh, seas uh, very, very soon, and opportunities about some things we haven't ever really told you about, including the great-looking Odyssey of the Seas here. You talk about a gorgeous, gorgeous ship. Uh, Take a look at all of the entertainment options that are available for you when you are on one of these Royal Caribbean ships. I mean, how much fun does all this look for those of you watching on uh, video, whether it be Broadway-style shows, whether it be, you know, uh, incredible, incredible entertainment, obviously tremendous ports of call, including a chance to go to Perfect Day Coco Cay, and all the other fun stuff that goes along with there when it comes to uh, Odyssey of the Seas and the incredible, incredible opportunities that you get on a Royal Caribbean ship. And, of course, to take advantage of the best opportunities that are available to you, certainly we want you to be in touch with folks who are experts and know how to get this done. I'm talking about my friends at the Cruise and Vacation Authority. Nobody knows more about Royal Caribbean Cruises than our friends at the Cruise and Vacation Authority. And they've got a couple of ways for you to get in touch with them. First of all, it's two former uh, UGA alumni, current UGA alumni. I guess you never stop being a UGA alumnus once you get the degree. But the point is, uh, folks that know UGA but also know Royal Caribbean Cruises, so you can check them out, tcava.com. That's tcava.com. Or you can give them a call, 770-952-8300. That's 770-952-8300. I realize that tens of thousands of you are listening to us right now. You're not watching. But when I watch this video of these great-looking uh, Royal Caribbean ships, boy, it just makes me excited about planning a vacation. And the moment this season's done and the moment George is hopefully hoisting up a national championship trophy, it's time to start thinking vacation. It's time to start kicking back and relaxing. For a lot of you, it's also holiday season. You love planning vacations around that time of year. Man, Odyssey of the Seas from Royal Caribbean. What an incredible ship. Uh, what a standard, really just setting a new standard for the cruise industry. That is a lot of fun. And as we cruise around the SEC, courtesy of our friends at Royal Caribbean here, a couple of stories I want to hit with you here for today, including an interesting statement from Heather Dinich. Now, a lot of you know who Heather is. 
reporter for ESPN, her beat in particular, is the college football playoff. And the thing that Heather, uh, uh, that's what she does, and that's what she talks about. That's all she she covers. And so she was on Get Up, the morning show on ESPN recently, and she was asked a question about Alabama being number two, that could Alabama, as a number two team in the country, still make the college football playoff as a two-loss team? If Alabama were to win the SEC West, they have to win out in conference play to be able to do that. But if they win the SEC West, if they go to the SEC Championship, lose close to Georgia, could Bama still make the playoffs a two-loss team? She said yes. I believe that Heather's take on this is correct. And I believe that there, and we've said this before, that there are a few people out there that seemingly have a, a little bit of a misperception about the fact that somehow the season's going to end for the for Alabama if it loses in the SEC championship. I simply don't think that's the case. I think there is a reason that Alabama is at number two. It's not just a placeholder right now, even though the current iteration of the playoff top 25 doesn't matter very much, that there is still something to be taken from Alabama being where it is, and that's a team that's going to get extra consideration for playoff spot, even if they lose the SEC championship game. Now, I'll also say this, that it's not a given that Alabama wins the SEC West. If Alabama were to get upset by Auburn at the end of the season here, that will actually open the door for Texas A&M to win the SEC West, assuming it continues to win games and, and, and wins out there. And so much the same way I believe that Alabama could make the playoff as a two-loss team if Georgia beats it, what if A&M gets the, the college football playoff and let's say they pull the upset against UGA? Now, I wouldn't predict that to happen, but also it wouldn't be the craziest upset of all time if Georgia, after running through the regular season 12-0, and were to stumble in a game, 13th game against Texas A&M. A lot of folks believe that even if Georgia were to lose that game in some sort of unforeseen circumstance, Georgia should still go to the college football playoff. But what would happen to Texas A&M in that situation? I believe, much the same way that a two-loss Alabama team correctly is being considered a playoff contender, I think that A&M as a two-loss, in that case, SEC champion, I think they're still part of the conversation there as well. The point here is this. I am not 100% sure that Georgia's a shoe-in if it loses the SEC championship game. I think the way to avoid that topic is to simply not lose uh, and, and, and take the decision out of the committee's hand. But I believe that there are more than two SEC teams who are still in contention for the college football playoff. Clearly, Alabama's won. Even if Bama loses to Georgia, I believe they remain a playoff contender. And assuming that the dominoes were to fall correctly for Texas A&M, I believe it's also still a college football playoff contender as well. They sit at 11th right now in the playoff rankings, and I don't think you're hearing enough being said about the uh, Texas A&M Aggies right now. By the way, speaking of playoff chatter, we're going to start something brand new here at UGA called our, or I should say here at Dog Nation, uh, called our Chase for the Championship. It's going to involve UGA and some of the other playoff contending teams. It's Chase for the Championship. It's a brand new show that's going to debut here today on the Dog Nation video channels. And it's going to lead us up to the big game in Atlanta come December. Also, it's going to lead us into a big event that we're going to have previewing that game coming up there as well, going back to Marlowe's Tavern again. So Marlowe's Tavern and Kroger are going to bring Chase to the championship for you. A big event at a local Marlowe's Tavern. Big event the day of the SEC championship there in Atlanta. And a weekly show looking at the college football playoff rankings with me. Happy to welcome in John Stinchcomb for that. We're going to break down exactly where Georgia stands, obviously at number one, but all the other teams that are kind of in line with Georgia competing for the national championship, or as we're saying around here, the chase for the championship. You get what I did there? So that starts today. It rolls through the rest of this month. It culminates at a Marlowe's Tavern with a big fun event that I'll be telling you all about. And, of course, the day of the SEC championship, big fun stuff going on with that there as well. So tune into the Dog Nation video channels. We're going to have a lot more for you on that today. Cannot wait to be able to do that. A couple other stories I'm going to do this quick. I mentioned this to our video audience before, uh, but keep your eye on Texas A&M right now when it comes to recruiting. Uh, they won the recruiting battle for the five-star defensive lineman Walter Nolan the other day. That's not something we've talked about much on this show, but it is a very big deal. Uh, I think it ends, obviously, any pursuit for A&M for Bear Alexander. But beyond that, I think it uh, speaks to what the Aggies are currently doing right now. There's some perceived momentum also for Texas A&M when it comes to five-star wide receiver Evan Stewart, uh, Shamar Stewart, some of the big names of this 2022 class. Guys, you've heard us mention on the show seem to have a growing connection to Texas A&M at the moment. So uh, it's worth paying attention to the Aggies' current recruiting momentum. It seems to exist. And, you know, if you want to go back to something we talked about in SEC Country Live again yesterday, the idea that LSU is not going to give up in its pursuit of Jimbo Fisher, I think you're left to say, well, if there was really a chance that Jimbo was leaving A&M for LSU, would they have as much current recruiting momentum as they do? 
knowing that recruits might sniff that out and might be looking elsewhere if there was going to be a changeover in the program, and just on the idea that why would you leave a program that's recruiting as well as A&M currently is. So a lot to pay attention to there on that. And then I don't have time to get into this as much as I want to, so let me just kind of say this here quickly here for a moment, that it certainly seems like that even with the firing of Todd Grantham and John Havasey, the offensive line coach from Florida, Grantham, of course, the defensive coordinator, it doesn't seem like that's fully quieted down the narrative around Dan Mullen that he needs some things to go right for him before this season's done. Remember, Florida is still playing to get bowl eligible. Now they got an easy game on Saturday, no problem. But with what, Florida State at the end of the season, I think Missouri is the other SEC opponent we still haven't seen Florida play. Uh, boy, I don't, I, don't, I don't quite believe that Mullen could afford another trip up there. I don't, I don't quite believe that Mullen could afford another uh, loss after the embarrassing one to South Carolina this past weekend. So we'll do more on this when we have time to. For now, we'll make that your SEC through. And let me also do this really quick because I know that so many people right now are talking about how they can get involved in the job market and get a rewarding career. And that's where my friends, and this truly is my friends because this is a part of our parent company here there as well. Uh, the, the company we work for is called uh, Cox, and they've got an incredible opportunity for you out there right now, potentially, certainly. All kinds of great career opportunities I want to make sure that you're aware of because if you're a web developer with a knack for fantasy football or a data geek who uh, knows about all the breast brew pubs in Athens uh, or an auto technician that wants to you know take a big step forward there as well, Cox Enterprises has got a lot to offer for you right now. Uh, you can discover countless career paths all across the spectrum of opportunities. So many different ways for you to get involved here, whether it be uh, through engineering and technology, network security infrastructure, human resources, sales and supply chain, obviously a very important thing right now, automotive repair. There's an entire like, automotive division uh, of our company that you might not even be aware of that do some really amazing things. And they're terrific job opportunities for car lovers, people like that. What an amazing job opportunity that is and really that's just the start of all that's out there for you so i want you to check out more online here it's coxcareersatl.com that's the website coxcareersatl.com of course c-o-x coxcareersatl.com you can find out more about that and can really take a step towards what can be a rewarding career i can tell you for for me i don't talk much about my you know my job life around here i just you know, do the show but i am very thankful i mean when you see the way in which they've supported us giving us a great studio to do this show each and every day uh, allowing us to cover georgia football the way we do here at dog nation that's just the kind of cool place that cox is to work so i can't recommend them highly enough and i would encourage you to come be my colleague Work with me here, coxcareersatl.com, for more on that. All right, so let's finish up with this. Big games around college football here this weekend. Our thoughts quickly on those games. I'll obviously expound more on my feelings on this on Go With The Flow coming up on Friday, the Dog Nation video channels. But let me roll through these quickly. This is the largest slate of games that we've picked here this year because you've got a number of SEC versus SEC-type games going on. And you've also got three different conferences providing top 25 slates for us here. I've told you before, I think that Tennessee can keep it inside the 20 against Georgia. I expect that to happen. Uh, Mississippi State against Auburn, I think, is an interesting game. First of all, Mississippi State's probably been better on the road than you realize. They've covered three straight in SEC play there, and they've covered five of their last six on the road. But Auburn, of course, is a very different team at home. They've covered 12 of their last 14 when favored against the spread here so I'll take Auburn minus the five and a half there South Carolina goes on the road against Missouri you heard me last week I love the Gamecocks against Florida but if you want to be a good gambler you've got to be willing to stick and move I stuck with Gamecocks a week ago but I am moving right now Missouri at home covered the spread for the first time a week ago this season when they kept it inside the 40 point number against Georgia they're actually a one point favorite against South Carolina bet U.S. is telling you all you need to know right there that the uh, Gamecocks could be due for a letdown going on the road a week after a big stand at home against Florida. So I'll take Missouri there in that spot. I like A&M on the road at Ole Miss. This is an A&M team that I think is turning the corner here. Uh, they've covered six of their last eight in SEC play. They've also covered four straight against the spread there as well. So on the road is a two-and-a-half point favorite. I think that's no problem. I'll take Kentucky minus the 21 at Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt's not an automatic go against for me sometimes they will occasionally stand up on the road almost never at home did cover in their last sec home game against missouri but that's the outlier here they're usually pretty terrible at home when you expect them to be i expect them to be and so i'll take kentucky there in that spot arkansas against lsu lsu is a two and a half point home underdog we have not seen lsu as an underdog at home 
in recent years as much as we've seen that be true this year. That's all you need to know about why they're moving on from Ed Orgeron. Eventually, I think LSU's got to quit. Admittedly, they have not laid down and died yet, not against Alabama last week, not against Florida earlier than that. They've shown a good bit of fight for a coaching staff that's looking for a new job. Arkansas did eke out a win last week against Mississippi State, did not cover, though. They're in the top 25, though, with the College Football Playoff Committee right now. I expect them to go on the road and win this game. Oklahoma's at Baylor. Uh, Baylor's a five-and-a-half-point home underdog. Oklahoma's not been great against the spread this year, just four and five against the number this year. Also failing to cover in its last two true road games, both those games played in the Sunflower State against Kansas and Kansas State. That said, I'll still take Oklahoma here. They've had the week off. Um, they they know what's at stake for them. They're on the banks of the Brazos River, and I will uh, trust the Sooners to get that done. Michigan's at Penn State. I think that Penn State may be one of the most undervalued teams in the country right now. I think it's a shock they weren't in the college football playoff top 25 this week. They have two wins against teams ranked in the top 20, Auburn, Wisconsin. The loss that holds them back is the – lost Illinois but the fact of the matter is Illinois is actually settled in four and six right now that's not an embarrassing loss necessarily they've also dealt with injuries quarterback in particular I think they're undervalued against Michigan here in this spot I'll take the Nittany Lions to win the game Ohio State's minus 20 against Purdue people have jokingly started to call Purdue the spoiler makers no team in the history of college football about no program has more wins against top five opponents while unranked than Purdue but the Boilermakers are no longer unranked you know, 20 is a lot of points here. I'll, I'll take a little bit of a flyer against Ohio State, but admittedly, Nebraska last week, uh, previous week against Penn State, Ohio State has not looked the part of a national champion as of late. And then finally, I think the wrong team is favored, NC State versus Wake Forest. Uh, I like Dave Dorn's Wolfpack here on the road. Uh, Wake Forest still unbeaten in conference play, even though they lost to North Carolina a week ago because of a scheduling anomaly. But uh, in this particular case, NC State just plays more defense. Wake's a fun team to watch, but... I actually don't believe they're better than NC State. So I'll take NC State on the road here, plus the uh, two there. And those are our bet U.S. best bets. And, of course, your opinions on the uh, games may be better than mine. You may be better at picking games than I am. Of course, so far, the kid's not doing so bad with his picks this year. So if you uh, are ready to make some money on your college football knowledge, my friends at BetUS, the ones to turn to for that. You go to BetUS.com and use the promo code DN125. The reason why you want to use that promo code is because when you use that, you're going to get a 125% sign-up bonus. That means you're going to put money in your account, and BetUS is going to put more money in your account than you do when you get signed up there. So BetUS.com, the promo code DN125, uh, you get a 125% sign-up bonus. You're a winner before you place your first bet. It's one of the reasons why BetUS has lasted so long. Well, in 25 years, they've been America's most beloved sports book. You don't last that long unless you're taking great care of your players. BetUS is going to take great care of you, including when you sign up with the big 125% initial deposit bonus. But you got to use the promo code DN125 to uh, get take advantage of that today. All right, uh, as we get ready to wrap up here today, we'll do so with our golden shoe. And, of course, appreciate those that always submit great stuff on that. Tomorrow we'll probably do another one of those uh, Friday shoes dumps where we uh, get a few of them out there that have kind of matriculated in over the course of the last few days. Always so enjoyable, everybody sending those in. And today we'll give a shout-out here for a Tennessee-themed one. Very funny from our buddy Fishing with Tiny Bass who shares you a little bit of a Georgia-Tennessee play. Obviously, folks continue to make fun of Tennessee for the thrown mustard bottle during the game against Ole Miss a couple of weeks ago. And so that's what Tiny Bassin writes in to say, here's a little edit I made for this week's matchup, Dogs versus Vols, hashtag JD to NYC. A uh, little golden shoe submission for our buddy Tiny Bass, and it works out well. You see George the ketchup bottle, Tennessee is the mustard bottle. Uh, pretty good stuff there from our buddy fishing with tiny bass all the way around also gator haters don't forget we're already thinking about next year's cocktail party 352 days from right now we will see you tomorrow dog nation daily presented by merriweather and tharp have a great day talk to you then everybody and on the podcast i'm now the rs andrews podcast cool down we'll take your comments here very quickly on twitter at dog nation daily in the comment section at dognation.com. always appreciate those we are going to be pretty quick today just because um we just have a lot going on around here. I do hope that you will tune in, though. 1 p.m., we're going to record it. We're going to be on the uh, Dog Nation video channels later than that. The really terrific Chase for the Championship video show where we look at the upcoming pursuit of Georgia's national championship and the other teams in the college football playoff top 25 that stand as a threat to UGA. 
And that's coming up on the Dog Nation video channels here later on today. Hope you'll take advantage of that. And as I said before, a big event coming up at uh, Marlowe's Tavern to close all this out. And of course, in Atlanta on the SEC Championship game day there as well. So a lot of fun stuff upcoming with all of that. I can't wait to tell you about that. I also want to read this comment. Ron Willard kind of having some of the same kind of fun I was having during the show based on the uh, wide receiver flip, Raymond Cottrell flipping to a UGA Today class of 2023 was a part of Florida's class, now part of UGA's. Uh, Ron saying, I bet Coach Mullen's talking about recruiting during the season today. And I kind of made a similar joke um, during the show there as well. So it's great to see Georgia doing so well in recruiting. And obviously tomorrow's potentially a big day because you could also get Julian Humphrey. Not really a flip. I guess he's been decommitted long enough that maybe it doesn't technically count as a flip, although maybe we'll say that it is still a flip from Florida to Georgia. Obviously Humphrey has a chance to choose UGA when he makes his decision tomorrow afternoon. So that is a fun thing to consider there too. There is a lot going on with Georgia recruiting right now. Great to see that momentum, and it's certainly befitting the number one team in the country. Uh, always an awesome thing to be able to see. So we appreciate you being here for our R.S. Andrews podcast cool down today. We'll try to do more podcast comments tomorrow. We're just uh, back up against it from a broadcast standpoint today. A lot going on. So let me say goodbye to you for now. Check out R.S. Andrews online for your air conditioning, heating, plumbing, electric needs. Uh, they'll take good care of you on that. We'll also see R.S. Andrews and hopefully you as well as a part of Go With The Flow presented by R.S. Andrews on Friday when we'll make more expanded thoughts on our picks against the spread for the upcoming games this weekend. That's always a lot of fun to do on Friday, so hope you'll enjoy us there for that. And, of course, back here tomorrow for more Dog Nation Daily presented by Meriwether and Tharp. We'll look forward to speaking to you then.